Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this morning, the epistle reading that we heard a moment ago from Galatians 5 and 6, especially these words, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, was recently in the Christian Post, a gentleman by the name of Leonardo Blair wrote an article reacting to a recent poll, a recent poll that had been conducted by the Arizona Christian College polling Christians on a variety of topics. And shockingly, in this poll, 62% of Christians, 62% of people who claim to be born again Christians, denied that the Holy Spirit was an actual thing. 62% denied that the Holy Spirit was a person. The third person of the Trinity. They were willing to say that the Holy Spirit is a force, God's power, God's enduring presence, a symbol of purity, but as far as an actual thing, an actual person, no, 62%. Well, I'm here to tell you today that 100% of Christians believe that the Holy Spirit is a person. The third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because if you don't believe that the Holy Spirit is a person, the third person of the Trinity, you're not a Christian. You're denying the Holy Trinity. You're denying the confession that we made just a few moments ago, right here in God's house. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. This is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the Lord and giver of life. Why? Is this such a big deal right here and right now this morning? Because if there is no Holy Spirit, then God's word for us in Galatians 5 and 6 is meaningless. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If there is no Holy Spirit, live and walk however you want to. It doesn't matter. But God's word teaches us something starkly different. 
The Holy Spirit is real. The Holy Spirit makes us holy. Did you hear that? That's the job, the primary job of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit holies us. Sometime, just for fun, think about all the times during the church service. In the liturgy, in the readings, in the hymns. Think about all the times you hear, say, or sing the word holy. You would think by sheer repetition, we would figure out that this holy stuff is important to God. The Holy Spirit makes us holy. Unfortunately, there are many people who fall for hook, line, and sinker, the philosophy that you become holy by doing holy things. It's very popular. Has been for centuries. You want to be holy? Well, then practice. 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 And the more holy things you do, the more holy you will become. Sounds good. There's only one problem. It's not true. You do not become holy by doing holy things. You become holy as God makes you holy. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. Here in our text for today, Galatians 5 and 6, we read about holy Christian living. The foundation is laid in the first four and a half chapters of Galatians. In these chapters, God teaches us how we become holy. How we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit through faith. Through faith in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. God declares us righteous, holy. Not because of what we do, not because of what we say, not because of what we pay, not because of how much we pray. God declares us righteous. God declares us holy because of the righteous and holy work of our Lord and Savior Jesus. The second person of the Trinity, the, the eternal word, the Logos, takes on flesh and blood and makes his dwelling among us. Throughout the pages of the Old Testament, especially in the book of Isaiah, Jesus is called the Holy One in our midst. The Holy One makes his dwelling among us. He lives a holy life. 
something we can't do no matter how hard we try. With his holy life, he takes all of our unholiness, all of our unholy thoughts, all of our unholy words, all of our unholy deeds into himself and onto himself all the way to Calvary's cross. He bleeds and dies. The great exchange. The holy one for the unholy ones. The holy one died for you. His stone cold body was put in a grave. Unholiness rejoiced. But three days later, Jesus, who was dead, burst forth from the grave, never to die again. Even death itself could not hold the Holy One of God. Jesus, risen and ascended to the right hand of God, sends out His Holy Spirit. Are you ready for this? To make us holy. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit makes you holy primarily by delivering to you the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins won by Jesus' Good Friday death and Easter resurrection are delivered to you in the waters of holy baptism. The holiness of God is delivered to you as He speaks the holy absolution into your ears. The holiness of God is delivered to you as He puts His holy supper in your mouth. And as you eat and drink it, it is pumping in your veins. God, the Holy Spirit, delivers the deliverance to you and in so doing makes you holy. Your sins are forgiven. Your name is written in the book of life. And now, as wonderful and marvelous as that is, the Holy Spirit's not done. The Holy Spirit continues to work in you from the inside out. Through these same means, the preached word, the sacraments delivered to you, the Holy Spirit works in you to change your heart, to change your attitude, to change your life, so that you want to be a holy person, so that you want to think holy thoughts, so that you want to do holy things. The Holy Spirit changes our unholy desires to desires of holiness. My friends, we live in a pragmatic world, don't we? Everybody wants something that works. Yeah, just as long as it works. Even if it only works for a little while. Yeah, I just want something that works. My friends, the gospel works. The gospel works. 
The gospel works salvation in you, creating faith. The gospel works as it changes your heart of stone into a heart that loves God and serves your brothers and sisters. The gospel works because it sets you free. It sets you free to live and to love. And if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. My friends, the gospel works. The Holy Spirit has power. And that power is delivered to you as you hear His Word in its truth and purity. As you are washed clean and return daily to the baptismal font. As you eat and drink Christ's body and blood. The Holy Spirit demonstrates His power. Not not in like the signs and wonders that the fanatics grab onto, speaking in tongues, that takes our attention away from the gospel. No. The power of the Holy Spirit is real, and what the Apostle Paul is writing to us about under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is the power for living a holy life. What does it look like? Well, right here. Right here. God's Word for us. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Pretty simple, right? If we're all the same, poor miserable sinners, if we're all the same, needing the mercy of God and His forgiveness, then there's nothing for us to boast about. There's nothing for us to be conceited about. We don't have to worry about our status. Status in the world, medical status, any status. We all have the same status. Poor, miserable sinners redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Holy living looks like this. When you see your brother or sister in trouble, you feel bad and you want to help them. You don't rejoice and make yourself feel good because of their misfortune. We all know what that's like, don't we? It comes naturally. It comes naturally to our old Adam and our old Eve. But there's more. Bear one another's burdens. Wow. That almost seems like a contrast. Because a little bit later he says, for each will have to bear his own load. These two things are not opposed to each other. In fact, they complement each other. They go hand in hand. Filled with the mercy of God who has shown us mercy. When we see our neighbor caught in a sin, 
We would rather bear their load and bear their punishment than see them suffer for the consequences of their sin. That's how great the love of God is in us. That's what holy living looks like. We know that everyone is going to have to bear their own load. And we don't want anyone to suffer. To suffer eternally for their sin. That's why God calls us to restore our erring brother gently. Not with an air of superiority, but gently. Because that's how God in Christ Jesus has dealt with us. Right smack dab in the middle of our text, we have those words, God is not mocked. Those are good words for us. Those words serve as a good reminder and a good warning for us. People who deny that the Holy Spirit is a real person, they mock God. People who say that I'm a Christian, but I don't really care about holy living, they mock God. People who say, I can do whatever I want because I'm forgiven and it doesn't matter, they mock God. My friends, when we turn our backs on God's clear word, we mock God. As Jesus hung on Calvary's cross and people hurled insults at him, Oh, if you're the Son of God, come down, save yourself. God was mocked. He was mocked on our behalf. My friends, for all the times we have failed in our holy living, for all the times when we haven't cared about holy living, for all of the times when we have pretended like the Holy Spirit isn't really God or that big of a deal, for all these sins and more, the Holy One of Israel has bled and died for you. He has conquered sin, death, and the grave for you. He has declared you forgiven and holy. And he continues to pour out his Holy Spirit on you, in you, and for you. So that your heart, your mind, your attitude would be changed from the inside out to truly desire to live a holy life. It's not easy. Paul goes on, let us not grow weary of doing good. Doing good, being good, thinking good, saying, talking good. It's not easy. Rarely is there any visible reward. We're Christians. We're not good 
so that we can earn favor with God, but it would be nice just once in a while for somebody to notice, wouldn't it? It would be nice once in a while for somebody to give you a little pat on the back. It would be nice just once in a while to see some, like, fruit from our efforts to be holy. My friends, striving for holiness is often a lonely and wearying task. But God gives a promise. It's right here. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. God has promised that He will use our holy living to His glory. In His time, we may not see it, but we can be absolutely assured that God's promise is attached. And where God puts His Word, we can be absolutely sure that His Word will accomplish that which it promises. My friends, we come here into God's house today. Our gospel reading teaches us that we shouldn't be worried. We shouldn't be anxious about anything. We shouldn't, we shouldn't put our trust in the things of this world like money or mammon. Our Old Testament reading teaches us that we can trust the Word of God. He will take care of us. Today, by the power of the gospel, that Holy Spirit power, may He work in us so that we know our sins are forgiven and that we would earnestly desire to live a holy life. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. May God grant it to us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our lives in Christ Jesus and His power. Amen. We stand and sing the offertory.